Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Is- baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. The 3-2 pitch, swung on, popped up, shallow center field, Rojas sprinting in, he's under it, he has space, makes the catch, and Michael Lorenzen has thrown the 14th no-hitter in Philadelphia Phillies history. He is being mobbed by his teammates as the Phillies shut out the Nationals 7-0. The bell never rang so beautifully. There you go. There you go. What a great call. Tom McCarthy on the call. Michael Lorenzen on the no-hitter. What a story, man. Michael Lorenzen sure looks like a good pickup for the Phillies. The Phillies, by the way, three and a half games up now in the wild card. Seven and three their last ten games. Lorenzen, well, I mean, if we're going to power rank the best trade line pickups, 
Not even close, really. Michael Lorenzen, 17 innings now for the Phillies in two starts, allowing just two runs. He's been absolutely nailed. Speaking of nails, so I thank everybody so far this week listening to everything that we've had. Will Fleming, the latest, obviously ripping, just nailing the Kevin Brown situation, of course. Uh, so it, Matt Spiegel before him talking about the White Sox drama there, and we've had plenty of players coming on. We're gonna have plenty, plenty of players coming on today, tomorrow, the next day. Today we're playing off the whole trade deadline thing. We are reflecting on now that we're a few days out, about a week, just over a week out, reflecting on the trade deadline, what happened, what didn't, with the guy who wasn't traded. James Paxton, James Paxton, pitcher for the Red Sox. We sit down with him and sort of uh, just look at what happened during the trade deadline, how he viewed the trade deadline, and going forward, what that looks like. But it also, between Lorenzen and our conversation with Paxton, it allows us to talk a little bit about what exactly took root after that trade deadline, the thing that we had talked so much leading in the day of, the days after. And so it's really interesting. There's no science to us. We, we try to figure this out. What did teams do? What do teams do? What works? What doesn't? We scream and yell about whether or not teams sold, bought, didn't do anything. Well, let's just look at the, the facts as we sit here just over a week out. Since the deadline, the teams with the best records, Dodgers, Rangers, both 8-1. Manor is 7-1. They've won seven in a row. They, of course, sold. So I think when we talk about the Mariners, the conversation is more about if we want to learn something, it's about the GM, President of Baseball Operation, understanding what you have and what you can do and what you can afford to give up, reading the room. And I think that's what Jerry DePoto did. I mean, he did it last year with Carlos Santana. And once again, he did it in another way by trading away some guys at the deadline. So they're seven and one since the deadline. The Cubs, we know what they do. We've talked about them. They're six and three. The Astros, six and two. They made the Verlander move. They made the Graveman move. Twins, six and three. They made a minor move for a reliever, but still a move nonetheless. The Braves, five and three. The Orioles get Jack Flaherty. They're five and three. They're still hanging in. Yes, conversely, a team that also made some moves Paul Seawald, Tommy Pham, Diamondbacks, 0 and 8. Oh, and eight. They are struggling. And a team that really didn't do much at all, and a lot of people are screaming and yelling, please, please, please do something. The Reds, they are one and eight. And then, of course, you have the Angels. The Angels, who did the shock and awe all the live long day when it comes to getting guys, giving up prospects. Well, they're two and seven since the deadline. The Guardians, they traded Aaron Zavali, one of their better pitchers. They're two and six. Marlins made some moves, but they're only three and six. Same thing with the Padres. They're three and five. So it's like we said, there is no rhyme or reason, really, other than just understanding what your team might look like, how your team feels, and how it's going to manifest itself. I think it's a big part of it, a big part of reading the room and sometimes there's nothing you can do there's injuries and 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 you blindsided and you didn't get guys because you didn't know you needed guys but let's look at some of the guys that were traded and how they have done since there's been some good trades man like we mentioned these teams like the dodgers well the dodgers they go out and get lance lynn who you know wasn't perceived as the elite starter out there 
Well, two starts give a 2770 ERA and has won both those games. And in that trade, by the way, the godfather, Joe Kelly, I don't know if you've seen what he's doing. He's pitching four games now, three and two thirds innings, seven strikeouts, one hit. He's back to that dominant form that he showed in certainly in May with the White Sox, where he was one of the best relievers. Right now, he's one of the best relievers around as well. So Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, Dodgers, like you said, eight and one. Well, then Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, former teammate Lucas Giolito, he's dealt, and he has a couple rough outings out of the gate. But last one a little bit better, six innings, three runs, three stars now as a nine ERA. I don't think has given the Angels the um, the little push that they really really were banking on because, as we said, the Angels are struggling two and seven since the deadline. The the two guys coming from the Mets, Verlander. He pitched one so far, seven innings, two runs. Good. Scherzer, really, really good. Two two outings, two seven seventy ERAs, won both those. So obviously the Rangers, speaking of Scherzer, they also got Jordan Montgomery. He's given up two starts in each of his lot two starts for the Rangers. Pretty good. So when you look at Scherzer and Montgomery, both guys who are were has been have worked out for the Rangers, and that shows in the record eight and one since the deadline. Then Aaron Savali, we mentioned Aaron Savali. Savali one outing for the Rays, four innings, uh, three runs on nine hits. Not ideal, but you know we'll see where that is. They really need something, especially with the McClanahan news. And the Orioles, they need to get somebody. They screamed and yelled. Everybody was like, much like the Reds, this is the team of all the teams. Just go out and get a starting pitcher while they get Jack Flaherty. And the first one was nails. I mean, he was absolutely awesome. Second one, eh, first one, six innings, one run. Second one, five innings, three runs. So still more part of the solution than the problem, I think, when it comes to Jack Flaherty. Now... We talk about the guys who haven't been traded or the weren't traded at the deadline. The the marquee guy when it comes to that conversation, Eduardo Rodriguez, had the deal done for the Dodgers, chooses not to go, chooses to stay with Detroit. Well, he's been really, really good. It's like what might have been for the already good Dodgers. In the two outings since the deadline, he's only given up two runs in 13 innings, including the last outing against the Minnesota Twins, he just he gives up zero runs in seven innings. So he's been absolutely, absolutely excellent since the deadline. And what are you going to do, man? Like, he didn't go. We dare to dream what would have been happening with the Dodgers. It would be interesting to see when the Dodgers get to where they want to go, how that looks in terms of the starting pitchers. Do they have the, the anchors, the kind of anchor that they were hoping to get in Eduardo Rodriguez? Another big name that wasn't traded with Dylan Cease. And obviously he has a few years left on his contract. So that was going to come at a high price. Everybody knew that. Everyone thought it was pretty much of a long shot. The first game he pitched after the deadline was awful. One of his worst, honestly. Just an inning and two-thirds, gave up seven runs. But then he comes back the next time out, and he only gives up one hit over five and a third innings. That's the season. He's still a guy that you want. But I know the Chicago White Sox, they were, they were not going to give up this guy unless there was a ransom for they, a huge, huge haul. Top prospects all over the place, and understandably so. Well, and that leads us to the guy. Our guest today, James Paxson. James Paxson was perceived as one of the, the most talked about, or the most, I guess, a coveted starting pitcher. 
He's on the last year of his deal with the Red Sox. He's going to be a free agent, so he's going to be a rental, much like Lorenzen. Right now, he sits with 14 starts in the 3.60 ERA. The Red Sox, in short, seemed like if they, the only way they were going to trade him if they got a the be all end all when come to their asking price. So he comes out after the deadline, pitches against Toronto. They jump all over him early. He settles down, pitches five innings, four runs. But still, it was he is perceived as one of the most important parts of the whole equation for the barely hanging on Red Sox. And he also would be right now. You look at the other starters that were traded and the guys who are available. Definitely, definitely, definitely a coveted guy. Well, I wanted to ask Paxton, now that we're just over a week away and you sort of get away from the cliches, get away from the, I was just happy to be here, I just wanted the team win, how he actually felt at the deadline, how he feels now, how he feels going forward, and bonus, I get to explain to him the rules when it comes to the qualifying offer. Wow, you don't get to do that every day. All right, well, rate, review, subscribe. This is Life After the Trade Deadline with James Paxton. At BB isn't boring. We got more podcasts coming today, all week long. We'll keep them coming. Please interact with us. At BB isn't boring. Producer Evans at the helm. Good stuff. All right, here's James Paxton. All right, so I wanted to ask you about sort of getting, I know that you've been asked about this before, but now we're a little bit away from it. And, and um, looking back at going through that trade deadline stuff, um, what was it like? What was it like for you, like in hindsight? Like you've obviously put it in the rear view mirror, but what was it like for you? Um, you know, I was trying to not think about it as much as possible, you know, because I, I can't control what's what's going to happen there. Um, but I knew just from the talk and talking to my friends and stuff, asking about it, like I knew that it was a, I was a conversation topic, you know, in that. And um, I'm happy to still be here and um, fighting with this team to try and get to the postseason. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a... Have a weird time there for a couple days. Well, it's an information thing leading up to the last few days, right? I mean, we're all trying to get information, including the players, and whether it's through agents or whether, like you said, your friends. I, mean, I would imagine you were sort of like, while you try to concentrate on this, yeah. you're trying to figure out what's what, right? Right, yeah, because we didn't really know what uh, direction uh, the team was going to choose to go in there. It wasn't, like, super clear, you know? Um, so... I think we were all just waiting to see what was going to happen. When you woke up, when you woke up that morning, what did you like? Again, now that it's been a little bit, yeah. when, what do, what were you feeling? What was the percentage as you thought? Um, I don't know. I thought that there was definitely a chance. I didn't think it was zero percent chance. I thought there was a chance for sure. I didn't think the chance was really high. You know, we were playing really good baseball at the time and. Uh, right there, you know, I think we're still close, uh, close enough to get it done. But at that time, we were like, I think, what, two games back, something like that. Two, uh, two in the last come. The next day, you were one in the last come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so really close. So I thought that, you know, we were going to be given the opportunity to uh, to go for this thing, and that's ultimately what we were given the opportunity to do. I talked to um, Sonny Gray about that dynamic because he's always he was always in, and, and he said. 
said, he's at one point he went up to talk to David Force at the time, and I know a couple guys did last year. I think Heimson some guys did this year. I, did you want to have a conversation? I, I don't know if like he would be able to, to tell you anything, but did you want to have a conversation with him at all before? I hadn't talked to him. No, yeah. I kind of knew. You know, that's that's his job, not really my my area. Um, you know, and. Yeah, that's just the business of the game. Yeah, but sometimes guys do that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think if you're looking for info, but, you know, and I understand that the team has to do what the team has to do, um, but I am happy to still be here and uh, be playing in Boston. It's a compliment. So it's yeah. A, like it's a, it is a compliment where, you know, when you're mentioned as solutions, like your solution here, yeah. but solutions elsewhere. Yeah. And that's, I think that this is a testament to where you've landed this year. I mean, I'm maybe looking at a bigger picture. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think if you look at it in that way, it's like, okay. Because you could say, well, at the beginning of the year, oh, you know, if you get to July, you're in this conversation, well, are you healthy? Are you pitching well? Whatever. But you are. You were. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a, it was a good position to be in for myself, you know, making myself valuable enough to uh, be worth the conversation with other teams. You know, it's definitely... Um, a place that I wanted to be uh, coming back this year, you know, be one of those valuable pieces to a, to a ball club. Have you thought about, because we still got months to go, hopefully yeah. for you, two and a half months. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, have you know, you thought about sort of uh, the future? Another, um, I, I guess, well, I, I, did, we, did they have ever they talked about extension yet? Or, uh, they haven't come to me yet. No, I haven't, I haven't heard anything. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you talk about the future and, like, the, if everything goes well, whatever, yeah, whatever, yeah. Like, you're going to be in another spot, a unique spot. Um, now the qualifying offer comes into play and all that. I don't know what you mean. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know the rules. Oh, I can tell you. Let me look. Yeah? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never been offered the qualifying offer, but I've been a free agent before. Yeah. Is it if you've never been offered it before, you're still eligible to be eligible if, to be if you ne- if, Yeah, so if you've never been offered before, they can, I feel, I feel like you're going to, now I'm just gonna, this is going to be in your head for the next five, but it's important for you to know. Yeah. Um, so if you've never been offered before, yeah. they offer it. Yeah. It's It lands at probably around $19 million a year. Yeah. So then you have an exit time to, to accept it or deny it. Gotcha. You deny it, then the team, any other team other than this team, the signs you has to give up traffic. So this is, okay. yeah, so it makes it, it makes it more difficult because, you know, anyway. There you go. You just educated me and your listeners. I, I'm, I feel like I'm doing God's work. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's you know, so that, that also answers the question. Have you thought about the qualifier? <laughs> no, no. Nope, not but, much. But listen, no matter what happened, I would take $19 billion. I'm focused on pitching them all. I know, That's about I it. know, I know. Yeah. And, and no, and so, sorry I mentioned this. That's okay. It's, it's not, uh, you know, the only person I talk about money, you know, so it's, it's part of You it's know part what? Of it's game. part of baseball, yeah, kind of. Exactly. But like, I'll come back to it. Circle of life. The yeah. fact is, is that you you put yourself in this position and you're doing well and you've reached this point and that must. I, I assume you feel 
okay and heading into the last couple months and everything. Yeah, I feel good. I'm excited to uh, continue pitching here and give everything I've got to uh, try and help this team get where we want to go. What's What's the thing that you're most happy with? Like, what's the most like if you said like and maybe it's maybe it can be something like. Uh, just waking up in the morning and feeling okay. Maybe it's like fastball. Maybe it's curveball. Maybe it's just like just being. I don't know. What's the um, thing that you're most happy about? I think just being back to working on pitching stuff. You know, like finally I'm not just like only working on my body. I'm working on my body, but I'm also working on just like pitching and like getting better at pitching. And I feel like the work that I put in while I was hurt. Um, paid off and got me back to a good position of where I wanted to be out here but I'm continuing to learn continuing to get better and uh, that's been really fun what what is the thing that you not altered isn't the right word but maybe you learn this year because everybody like with so much information like the last time like you were really like rolling without injury and there wasn't this much technology no no not as much I think it was just kind of just kind of getting started yeah um you know, we've been looking at, like, my um, vertical, um, what's it called? Yeah. I don't even know, because I'm yeah. the old guy now. The, your ver- is the vert. It's yeah, the vert. The vert. Yeah, yeah, the vert. You know, I've been kind of tracking that a little bit, and um, the carry on my fastball, and different things that I can do to try and, we try and keep that in a certain, you know, area, a certain number. Uh, so just tracking that, looking at things, and, um, you know, I think the thing that I'm really enjoying the most is just, like, the mental side of the game and uh, kind of putting into play some of the things that I've worked on over the past couple of years with that. How so, man? Uh, just thinking about, like, um, how my mental mindset, you know, on the mound um, and how I attack the game in general. Like being just... I mean, again, like being more aggressive, being able to, to say, yeah, being more aggressive, and um, uh, so I'm trying to find the right words, the way to put it. Um, I think I'm focused more on my process than I am on results. And, okay. Uh, you know, because you can't control the results. You can control your process and uh, your level of focus on each pitch. You know, and I'm I'm really zeroed in on giving it everything I've got on every pitch and focused on kind of my mental routine on the mound and do, if I do that over and over and over and over that's going to give me the best chance for results I'm not going to have the results kind of like pulling me out of my game and causing me to uh, to lose focus out there here's here's because I've been talking a lot about this with guys about this goes back to when I had conversations with the Tampa guys Kyle Snyder and Deacon about like the Tampa about this idea of like throw the ball over the plate yeah. and then I'm more people I talk to that this is a thing. The first, if you throw the ball over the plate, strike one, the the percentages of success for the hitters isn't that great. Mm-hmm. And like when you're coming off injury, like there's probably a little bit like, oh well, is it? And then you start doing it, and you're like, oh, they aren't hitting it. Yeah. They're missing it. Yeah. They're falling it off. I mean, is there was is that was that a hurdle or was it, or? Um, I would. Say, I think that's something that like I've 
that I prepared for. Yeah. You know, like I knew that my mindset was be on the attack, you know, at all times. Even like even though you hadn't pitched, like I, I feel good enough, my stuff is good enough, I'm like, I'm just gonna go after him. You want I think my mindset was like, let's find out. Am I good <laughs> enough or not? You know? Like I'm not gonna come out here and, you know, pitch scared, you know, and that that's a recipe to just be done, you know. So it's like I'm gonna come out here and let it rip, see what I got, and if it works, it works great. And I'll keep on going, you know. When did you find out? Let me guess, it was the first live VP. No, not even that, you know. Even in the, those rehab starts, I'm like, eh, you know, it's kind of just okay. And then uh, it was probably my first big league game that I really up here. Yeah, I was like, all right, there it is. That's what I was looking for, you know. Like, this is going to work. Yeah, this is this is going to be okay, you know. Like, I, can, I can work with this. That's great. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, good, that's a, good, that's been a good feeling. It was. It was, you know, because, like, the velo was kind of up and down in the rehab starts. And then uh, when I when I got up here, then I was like, all right, now it's consistent. I've kind of got that, you know, um, buzz from the big league game. Now I'm kind of feeling all the juices are flowing. And I could, you know, I had something to work with there. That's awesome. I feel like we solved a lot of problems today, including <laughs> educating you about a very important subject. Yeah. All right. Thank you. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.